0: War, what is it good good for? Absolutely Absolutely nothing. Say it again. Say
1: it again. Hello and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week, we'll be breaking down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. Sarah, what are we talking about in this episode? You
2: guys, today is part one of our two-part season finale covering the history of the United States and its first Pluto return.
1: I mean, arguably an even bigger deal than being on the precipice of major cultural and societal change is the fact that we've made a whole season of a podcast. my God, I cannot believe it, but I love it. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'm really proud of all of us.
1: Yeah, I hope I, I'm i really proud of me. I'm proud of you. If you're listening to this podcast, for sure. yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. But uh, before we can get down deep and dirty into the land of Bruce Springsteen's hopes and dreams, we have to kick it back to our motherland, merry old England.
2: So England's been around for a very long time. There's even evidence of people carving things into walls. There, a good 800,000 years ago, which like, how do people know that? It's, I don't know, scientists, I guess.
0: Carbon dating, I think. (laughs) What's that? I don't know. But yeah.
2: Science. (laughs) So they've been through some things. Um, They've been a world power that's been pretty top dog throughout their history. And they've even had four Pluto returns which we'll get into later this episode. But I would love to know what type of chart this country filled with boundless amounts of fish and chips and questionable dental work
0: has. Yeah, well, they do have questionable dental work. I don't know if it'll ever (laughs) get fixed out. Um,
2: But so the Great
0: Britain chart, one thing that's important to note is that they have like a few charts that are referenced because oftentimes sort of there's like a revolution or something, they make a new chart. But the earliest one It's for December 25th, uh, 1066, which was a long time ago. Wow, Sarah, you have the
1: same birthday as Great Britain. Sarah, Jesus, and
0: Great Britain have the same birthday. I Um, didn't even
1: realize that. I mean, allegedly for Jesus, but we'll talk about that (laughs) in another episode.
0: Aries and Capricorns will fight to the death for this, for Jesus' birthday. Anyway, though, so December 25th, 1066, this is... um, Uh, considered their birth chart because of the coronation of William the Conqueror. And so the sun in Capricorn and a Pisces moon, we don't know the rising because um, we don't have like a time for when the coronation occurred. And I don't even know if they had clocks back then, but in (laughs) mundane astrology, the sun signifies the head of state or government or the King and the sun in Capricorn rules politicians. And like, it's a practical and capable leader, someone who might conquer. And also in Monday to astrology, the moon represents citizens and public opinion. And so the moon was in late degrees of Pisces that day. Um, and so Pisces moons like suggest that the people... Um, are, like, very empathetic. They might be victims due to being the last sign of the Zodiac, and oftentimes Pisces, like, absorbs a lot of emotions, and also they might be victims because
1: every Pisces moon I know is a little bitch baby. Yeah, I mean, Pisces generally has a lot of victim energy, not gonna lie.
2: Um, But also when Dana was saying mundane astrology, that's just the astrology of everyday events, so that's why it's called mundane, even though it isn't. So, speaking of the little bitch baby energy... Um, We have to talk about fucking Christopher Columbus. He was an Italian explorer and he started exploring Central and South America in the late 1400s, early 1500s. All of these countries in Europe saw this like hot new piece of land that he discovered and they wanted it as theirs. And England with this cap sun was like, we must stop at nothing to be the best. And they were like, no way. We love sending people to random places and claiming it as our own. So the King of England sent people to the New World, as it was called. And these settlements eventually became known as our little fetus of a country of America the 13th Colonies. So what's happening in the skies at this time? The
1: 13 original colonies. Whoa. Shout them, scout em. Nope, you guys aren't going to join in. I okay, don't even cool. I don't know what you're talking
0: that. about. Yeah,
1: what I didn't learn that at my, my... It's the, uh, the state song where you go like, Alabama, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas. Okay, I won't do the whole thing, but if anyone wants to uh, hit me up, um, send us a DM yeah. and I'll sing you the whole song.
2: Oh my God, I've never heard of that in my life, but... Yeah, my
1: mom always said it'd be a really fun party trick one day, but um, now I'm just singing it on a podcast, so...
0: (laughs) I wish I was at a party with you when you started to sing that.
1: Yes. I've definitely drunkenly done it before. I've absolutely done it. Okay, but sorry. Yeah, let's talk about... The colonies, Jamestown, et cetera. So the
0: date that the like first ships left for the New World was December 6, 1606. Um, and they got there on on May 14th. 1607 so yikes uh pluto was in pisces which is also in pisces in the uk 1066 chart um and in mundane astrology pluto represents covert activities organized crime like you know the mafia and also maybe the government if you think about it extremism force the black market terrorism and general metamorphosis uh it's super strong in charts that like have government upheaval and so this is like a pivotal generation because it's in the final stage of the zodiac cycle so there's like a big god complex but also kind of like a like dreamer idea kind of thing going on and it's related to like support or pre- persecution of mankind and also it like spirit like pluto and pisces spiritualizes experience so like going to a new country is like a religious experience even if like you are dying on a ship and then so that was like in the 1066 chart and then pluto in aries was during the first settler chart and so for the first stage of the pluto cycle it's instinctually like believed that those people believe that they have like a special destiny like this is This is the placement of Manifest Destiny. And so, like, they, you know, have another god complex. And this generation is oriented towards, like, independence and freedom. And, like, they are new and they want to assert themselves and their identity. And that's their primary allegiance. And then when they founded Jamestown, like, when they made it, like, an incorporated town... Pluto was in Taurus. And so this is like this time they've gone through Aries. It's naturally self-reliant and self-sufficient. And they're concerned with like their physical and biological survival. It's like learning to make a fire with two sticks. This generation learns to fend for themselves. Also, they might be highly sexual, but like, I doubt that. I don't know.
1: Wow. I mean, they literally had to make citizens. So maybe... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, true. So, yeah, a lot going on. But on this episode, we'll be talking a lot about Pluto and how it brings about a country's destiny. And here, Pluto and Pisces, God complex, gives you that idea you're living in a fantasy world where you're the star, you're the protagonist. And when Pluto moved from Pisces to Aries, that energy shifted and the vibe became much more manifest destiny, sort of like you're destined to start a new chapter. And then that Pluto and Taurus means that power change would be related to biological and physical survival. So basically people who had
2: the supplies and the food had the power. That makes a lot of sense because the first permanent settlement in the new world was Jamestown, which was named after their king, fucking King James, because of course, (laughs) and the area they called Virginia because they were obsessed with their virgin queen. So virgin, Virginia, Fucking creepy, like, get a new life. I don't know. Name it something better.
1: Yeah, and their time at Jamestown wasn't all that fun, especially in the first two years. Pretty soon after they arrived, people started dying from diseases. Then there was plenty of famines and wars with Native Americans. The Powhatan Native Americans actually were pretty nice to them in the beginning and helped them out. But of course, the British settlers were just super needy and eventually pissed them off. So their first winter there was called the Starving Time, and they actually <laughs> ate their own shoes to survive. I would eat a person
0: before I ate
2: my shoes. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they did. Oh, my oh, God. Point. Yeah. Not the Donner Party, though, but probably the Donner Party before people knew. Um, So obviously dark. But well, OG Donner Party. The OGs obviously fucked up, but more settlers finally made it to Jamestown from England with more supplies, and then things got pretty chill. And this to me, very Pluto and Taurus, because supplies were crucial to survival at this time. Eventually, France and Great Britain got into a war over this land because they wanted to be daddy in the situation and own the land where New York was because they wanted this like sweet, sweet fur trade money, which was like big at the time. Great Britain ended up winning. But in the end, it ended up sinking them into a ton of debt. So they needed money. And so they looked at the colonists and were like, you know what? Yeah, we'll tax you. The colonists were not happy.
1: Um, But resentment was not a new feeling when it came to England. There had been a constant slow burn of annoyance and anger towards their motherland that had just been like slowly building. And after all, they were far From England and had started their own lives. Plus they were largely left to govern themselves. So understandably they wanted their own rights and they didn't want to be taxed when they were out in the new world, living that hard knock life, eating their own goddamn shoes, (laughs) um, like without getting representation in parliament. And this is the whole no taxation without representation thing you probably had. I don't know why I said it in that voice, but that's how I always have read it in my mind. Like a man had that voice when reading it. No taxation without representation. Yeah. In the colonist eyes, if they were going to be taxed, and they needed to have voting power in their government's parliament.
2: But Britain really didn't get it and was like, I'm sure why you're so pissed about these taxes like we just fought a war for you guys and the colonists were like wait 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 one second don't act like this was all for us you want this land and remember a yearish ago when I had to eat my (laughs) (laughs) shoes this has not been a great time so it would be great if you could not tax us without us getting a say in parliament and eventually Britain stopped taxing all the other like shit they were taxing But instead, they taxed tea.
1: And you know, those colonists loved tea. They were like, (laughs) not again. So they boycotted the British East India Company and smuggled in tea from other countries. Gasp.
2: (laughs) Eventually, they had a meeting and they were like, yo, fuck this tea. We're not going to pay taxes on it and we're not going to allow it to be here. So late at night, colonists snuck onto this ship and were like, fuck you. You're not my dad, energy. And dumped over 300 chests of tea into the water. And this became known as the Boston Tea Party.
1: Hell yeah. And this was (laughs) huge because it was the first major act of defiance to the British rule by the colonists. It showed Great Britain that Americans weren't going to stand for shit. And this was a very big deal for the colonies because this was when they were like, okay, this is the start of some real shit. We're in this together. Us against England. Let's hear about what was happening at this time.
0: Before we go through the Boston Tea Party chart, I think it's important to note that even today in America with all the fraught culture, tea in terms of gossip is still free. And that's why we can have this full podcast. <laughs> So on December 16th, 1773 (laughs) at Griffin's Wharf in Boston, Massachusetts, where people don't know how to talk, the Boston Tea Party ran from like 7 to 10 p.m. So I did it from the beginning and I ran it with the biwheel with Jamestown. And so this is very cool because Jupiter was um, connecting with transiting Jupiter exact. So this is known as the Jupiter return. Whenever a a planet returns to its natal spot in any sort of chart, it's like, signals a new cycle. It re-energizes the chart. It's extremely important. And Jupiter is the planet of like luck and expansion. So in mundane astrology, Jupiter represents high courts, religion, and ideology and favors. Jupiter is all about expansion and integration, and it shows up during mass movements. Um, it's also prone to aggrandizement and inflation, such as being like, you, w- you won't like rule us. We totally have a full country here. So <laughs> Jupiter in Aries rules pioneers, rewards, bravery, tenacity, claiming your identity. It's big Michael Jordan energy. Uh, it achieves what it's told it cannot be done. You tell someone with Jupiter and Aries they can't do something, and they're like, watch me. And then I love that. Another return was a Uranus return. And so um, this is Uranus in Taurus, which, by the way, it's happening right now. So Uranus was discovered in 1781, so it wasn't even discovered at the time of the Boston Tea Party, Um, and it was discovered between the American Revolution and the French Revolution. So revolution energy was high. In mundane astrology, Uranus rules revolution, rebellion, collapsing structures— Cultural innovation and pariahs. Uh, It expands consciousness, um, but like it happens when you least expect it. Unlike Jupiter, Jupiter is kind of more like, um, you know, what's happening within you or within like the culture and Uranus just breaks rules that like have become too rigid or oppressive and disrupts order. And so Uranus and Taurus is related uh, to money, dispersal of wealth and economic collapse.
1: Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. That was all basically happening at the time. So Jupiter connecting with Aries is all about just being brave, claiming your own identity, which makes sense because this is when Americans really started taking a stand against England and Uranus connecting with Uranus and Taurus is disruption and rebellion. And especially when it comes to money, which would obviously relate to taxes.
2: Yeah. And the Uranus aspect makes a ton of sense because with the Boston Tea Party, we're really messing up a significant part of England's tea supply in the new world at a time when England was already very much in debt. Don't fuck with us. Okay. So
0: <laughs> also one more return was that Neptune was connecting with Neptune in Virgo. And so in mundane astrology Neptune represents liberal movements like socialism, chaos and deception, secret societies, grifters, <laughs> grifters, big pharma, uh, and it's prevalent in addictions, like, or whatever addiction is prevalent at the time, you know, like, such as opium in old China.
2: Old China. <laughs> I don't know just what like it was, so I should just say that it was old
0: China, okay? Um, <laughs> in Virgo, the dream is about equal opportunity and meritocracy, and it believes anyone who works hard enough will be duly rewarded. And it wants to literally sacrifice itself to serve a movement or a higher ideal or, like, you know jerk off to its virgin queen and so then also pluto was in capricorn at this time which we know well because it is now and has been since 2008 um and cardinal signs initiate new chapters in the pluto cycle or in any cycle of any um planet and so for pluto and capricorn this represents a generation or a stage of evolution with regards to individual authority the politicization of newly established philosophies beliefs and dogmas because previously it was in sagittarius where that's where those things happen and so the then this is like the establishment of regulations based on the new principles so citizens are expected to and must conform to the new laws or rules and order even though they're like within a rebellion you know like they're like people are expected to join along and so the tea party saturn was also conjunct the jamestown saturn and the united kingdom of venus so this is like it's a jamestown saturn return it's it's again just another a new stage in in a a cycle I'm ongoing. And that's destruction and evolution of structures that like to build a new ones. And then having the Saturn conjunct the UK Venus is like fraught relationships and extreme uh, situations regarding money because Venus is money.
1: So Neptune in Virgo sort of gives us aspirations for a higher ideal, which here is new world settlers versus England. And then we have Pluto and Capricorn, which is change and evolution to power structures, which I'm sure we're all feeling right now. And then finally, we have some interaction between the charts of Jamestown, the Boston Tea Party, and England's chart that shows more of shifting structures that can lead to difficult relationships between the colonies and England.
2: Yeah, and definitely things were getting very tense between the colonies and England. There were actually a lot of back and forth snarkiness and bullshit between both of them, which to me is very Pluto and Cap. Power is slowly shifting, and there's a struggle happening between the colonies and England. And actually, there were like a lot of skirmishes um, between British soldiers who were stationed in the colonies and the settlers. But eventually, the colonists thought, like, you know, when you sit there and you like amp yourself up because you think of like all the things that annoy you. So they were like, oh my God, like, fuck those. Fuck England. And they were like, honestly, like, let's just start a war. We got to. Like it we have no other choice. And they called up Mr. Wooden Teeth himself, George Washington to lead the charge as the commander of the army. Woo! George
1: Washington.
2: And, uh, spoiler alert, he became America's
1: first president. Not true, sure if you guys knew that. Um, but yeah, let's hear it. We gotta hear what George G.W.'s Big Three is. <laughs> okay, so he was born on
0: February 22nd, 1732 in, uh, Westmoreland, Virginia. He's a Pisces sun, a Capricorn moon, and a Taurus rising. And so this is interesting because, um, it's the reverse of Great Britain's Cap Sun and Pisces moon. Um, and Ooh. I don't have anything more to say about it other than that's interesting because we don't have enough time on this episode (laughs) pisces sons are dreamers and they're skilled at understanding the big picture because it's ruled by jupiter and so jupiter is again the big picture and expansion etc um and so they understand the also the needs of all human beings regardless of status they think all people are the same they're not you know out here thinking like okay well how much money do you make and that's how important you are and remember rbg also had a pisces son, so then never
2: forget that
0: i know We won't. She changed Pisces for us. um, And we're sorry. Um, (laughs) Capricorn moons are stoic. um, And so the moon is classically in its detriment in cancer. But something that I've come to understand is that detriments are reflective of uh, like the values and traditions of a certain culture or society. So it's really a man made kind of signification. And Capricorn moons tend to like they attend to a situation at hand and they can compartmentalize their feelings while getting any job done. It's pretty cool. And then Taurus Rising also, again, surprised me because I associate Taurus Risings with like laying around and like feeding themselves grapes and being hot. And like, you know, I was even surprised by his wooden dentures, like... (laughs) Maybe those um, are the
1: original veneers. Maybe, too, you know? right, yeah. I, I bet they were they hot. That it's probably better than, like, rotten teeth, you know? Look at his sexy
0: <laughs> wooden dentures. And ooh, is that a whale tooth? Wow, i must be rich. And so, like, they have quiet confidence. So that makes them super hot. But also interesting right here is that Taurus is the America's, like, sixth house. And in mundane astrology, the sixth house relates to the military. So it makes sense that he would be the commander-in-chief
1: of that. Wow. With all those teeth. I never thought That's- of... Like George, George Washington is being like a low-key hot person, but now I'm convinced um, I'll never look at him the same. And by look at him, I mean, look at like paintings. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, I mean, Washington had a Pisces son, like our hero, RBG. They're very empathetic, compassionate. His cat Moon means he's very responsible, pragmatic, serious, and a Taurus rising, which gives him that confidence and swagger that makes us know for certain that he was hot.
2: <laughs> so, so ten. George <laughs> questionably hot Washington was leading the charge for the Americans in the war and his victory makes him a pretty good choice like Cat Moon gives him the ability to focus and not be shaken by what was going on around him which was like V hard like there was a Valley Forge winter and honestly they probably were eating more shoes during that time and his Pisces son made him truly believe in his ideal nation he was hoping to create. So while he was off leading the war effort, a bunch of other dudes met up and were like, you know what? We just got to say fuck off to England and make it official that we really need some space. So Thomas Jefferson went into a corner and wrote the Declaration of Independence. Now,
0: he's someone who actually was hot. Have you ever looked at... bill that he's on i think it's a ten (laughs) dollar bill sexy profile yeah
1: a lot of people in the colonies saw independence from britain as a good idea and the declaration of independence was just just like fyi this is why we're fighting for this shit and it's not that you're shitty at taxing but we just want out we want our independence
2: yeah they were like this has been great kind of i guess but bye so the revolutionary war Literally was happening, but it wasn't quick. It actually lasted eight years, which seems like very long to me. Um, Also to me, that's very Pluto in Cap because Pluto takes a while to play out. And being in Capricorn means changes in government. So during this time, there were a lot of like constant little battles And for the most part, the colonists actually were getting the shit kicked out of them. I'm wondering what was their chart like? This is, after all, our very first war chart. So I don't know if we should get excited, but I'm intrigued. first war chart.
1: I'm intrigued as well. Okay,
0: so the chart for the American Revolution. um, I've taken this from the Battle of Lexington and Concord on April 19th, 1775. Uh, at this time, Pluto in Capricorn is squaring the Aries-Pluto from the first settler's chart. And so this is a seminal moment in the Pluto cycle. And period. it's like a period of force transformation and regeneration, often meant with resistance to your transformation from outside forces. Aries is, again, Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, and it's associated with the rising sign in the natural house system, marking the beginning of new cycles. And Capricorn is the 10th sign or house on the midheaven. So this really correlates... The Pluto cycle correlates to those two things. And so the rising is our beginning at the midheaven is our, our destiny. Pluto and Aries and Capricorn are cardinal signs which initiate new cycles and seasons. And so Pluto and Capricorn was also conjunct the UK Venus, which rules money, banks, and national debt in mundane astrology. So this transit indicates power struggles over money. Venus also shows what a culture values most because it represents women and culture values pussy.
1: again, Once again, (laughs) Pluto and Capricorn, peeps. We've said it 700 times in this episode thus far, but in case you weren't paying attention, it's changed to government structures and organizations. Um, And it's squaring the settlers, Aries, Pluto, meaning it's feeling resistance to transformation, which is very fitting for when we're at war with England for independence.
2: And during that war, eventually the British surrendered at Yorktown, Virginia. And this was very big for the colonists. It was really like a turning point in the war. And the colonists ended up winning. And then the Treaty of Paris was signed between England and the U.S. And that was what recognized the United States as a country. And it brought peace between the two nations and officially ended the American Revolution. So let's finally talk about America's birth chart. Okay, Woo! so this was.
0: America. The so 4th, 1776. The reason that we get to see fireworks every year, except for this one, this wretched year. Um, <laughs> that, uh, this it wretched said year. that Benjamin Franklin timed the signing of the Declaration of Independence with eclipses. I don't know enough about that yet, but I'm sure I will by next episode. So, Wait,
2: he timed it? Really?
0: Yeah. Well, Incredible. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to do my research.
2: Yeah, I'm into it.
0: Okay, so America has a Cancer Sun, an Aquarius Moon, and a Sagittarius Rising. And this is just kind of even cool for the end of our season because we've talked so much about Sagittarius and Aquarius, I feel. But anyway, um, so of like, of course, our big three is a cancer sun and like, you know, an Aquarius moon and a Sagittarius rising. It's like freedom, 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 and like sucking at a tit. So the <laughs> Cancer Sun, once again, the sun represents the head of state. And so this is like seeks to nurture and protect. And like it's super sensitive and emotional. It's like security conscious. Like, it's like the mother. I love it. It values home, passive communication, um and which is kind of like being like, okay, we're gonna like you know, pass it. Like, we're not going to tell you that we refuse to pay taxes. We're going to like turn over your ship or whatever. Um, And so like a basis decision on emotions, which are like colored by past experiences instead of present needs. And so it's the most tenacious sign. Um, Mm -hmm. A mother will stop at nothing to protect her young. Uh, Aquarius moon this is the people and public opinion and so this is social minded progressiveness it's erratic decisions based on how they think and it should feel not necessarily how they do feel but being like you know what we should be fucking pissed that we have to pay taxes and they're like but are you really it's like I don't care we should be so yeah now we are <laughs> and then the Sagittarius rising um that's impatient and independent and it's like beliefs are kind of re- it's religion based on or, or like based on religion. So it could be like in, as a country, like we can make religions out of like movements instead of making movements out of religion and like both ways. And then so one more thing that's important is that um, all like there's a cancer stellium in the eighth house and then the Capricorn Pluto is in the second house. And this has to do with money and possessions and like secrecy and stuff.
1: So basically the U.S. has a cancer son, which is, you know, very tenacious, values home which, you know, makes sense. We're all about our borders and our property, Um, which, uh, yeah, well, I have a lot to say about that, but I'm going to refrain. Aquarius (laughs) Moon, which is pretty socially minded and progressive, and a sad rising, which is all about those dogmatic beliefs. Yes,
2: and I think next episode we'll get more into, like, the opposition between, like, the eighth house and the second. Sad rising, to me, is so America. Um, We're known throughout the world as having these values of democracy, and being the land of opportunity. But though we're well known, America is a little fetus of a nation in comparison to other global empires like old China. <laughs> old China. China. <laughs> We've actually finally been around long enough that we're finally reaching our first Pluto return, which happens like every 250 years. Um, the Pluto return is when transiting Pluto. makes its way around the sun and meets its original Pluto position in a chart, which for the US has been from 2008, so it's been like happening for a minute, until 2024. So, let's talk about the dark leather daddy that is Pluto.
0: He is the leather daddy. That's a really good way (laughs) to put it, Sarah. Um, So, Pluto is associated with like metamorphosis and regeneration refuge, literally excrement and sewers. (laughs) um all aspects of life that are private but not necessarily sacred like political undergrounds and like espionage organized crime you know stuff that you keep private because like to keep yourself safe not private because like it's really you know sacred or special or whatever and also like great wealth and power violence rape all activities that are transformative not not because of all the things i just said but because they are transformative like death and rebirth. And, um, they bring hidden information into light Pluto transits, uh, such as like detectives are Pluto. Um, and so Pluto also symbolizes the end of any processes that Uranus begins because Uranus is the first outer planet and Pluto is the last. And so it's like a general transformation of consciousness. Uh, Pluto is the archetype of death and resurrection maybe Jesus. I don't know. Um, Pluto transits generally occur in three stages. The first is to resist what is being changed or required. The second is to respond finally. Um, and to try and understand like the lessons and like integrate them into your consciousness. And then the third is to finally meet the rising demands with the willingness to change while still resisting certain other demands because of like a fear of the unknown. But now you understand those fears. This kind of relates back to the episode where I said, the beautiful stairway to heaven thing. And I think I saying unbeautifully, but, and then like personal transits of Pluto um, to personal planets may include like a psychotic break or a period of extreme despair. And then when it's over, like a person might return to health. Um, But like, it's just, it's really fraught and it could be a lot of things, but generally everything that's either dark or secret or like something that's like, will just change a person and like make them hopefully better if they don't die in the meantime.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so, like, it's a really heavy, complicated energy, and it it initiates change, but Pluto's change is a lot different than Uranus, which Dana just brought up. Uranus is sudden change, so when a Uranus pops up, it's just like, oh, shit, like, it's like this sudden thing that, like, comes out of nowhere, but with Pluto, it's this very slow evolution, like, to be honest, when Dana was talking about stairway to heaven, like, in the... Our witches episode. Like, I had no idea what she was talking about, but now knowing about Pluto, it makes a ton of sense because Pluto plays out for such a long time. So it is this like slow kind of build and then all of a sudden like before you know what's happening it's just like ah like it's like this chaos you wake up and you're kind of like what the fuck is happening because all of a sudden Pluto has changed everything around you it's almost like you didn't realize it at the time because it does take so long to happen
0: like I I remember 2008 I had no idea that Pluto was in Capricorn I had no idea what Pluto was or anything beyond my own sun sign but So Pluto and Capricorn, um, so once more, like everything I just said about Pluto, it's reformation, regeneration, revolution. Capricorn is structures, law and order. Um, Capricorn is like just like a stoic sign. Um, It's power and usually like relates to like power of good. Like Jesus uh, died a Capricorn and was born in Aries, you know? So anyway, (laughs) in the early degrees, like Capricorn is political and corporate structures. Like they might tend to gain power. And then in the middle degrees, like, of this, uh, it's met with suspicion from the populace beginning, like, stages of resistance. And then in the final degrees, the Pluto return might invoke, like, chaos and revolution because it's just, like, coming so close to the exacting.
1: Would you say we're in the final stages, or right now? We're in the third decan of um, Capricorn. So, yeah, I think that would
0: be a fair assessment Mm. um, because America's Capricorn is uh, in the third decan. So... Um, and once. Yeah. So Capricorn is law and order. Uh, Pluto regenerates or revolutionizes existing structures. Um, and so even like Pluto does that regardless of whether or not the sign relates to structure. But since Capricorn specifically relates to structure, we're kind of with that's what's happening. And also, I mean, when America was born, that was like a seminal moment in the world, not just America. I know that we think that we're the center of the world and obviously we're not. And we have like a lot of flaws, but like that just kind of changed the world the way world politics existed and ran. So anyway, the Pluto cycle is 248 years. So check your country's Pluto and see if it's happening for you.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully it's not because U.S. Pluto returns are a really big deal. I mean, I think it's just scary because it's like changing something that you're used to. Like it's always a shift in power. Um, so it really affects society as a whole. And it really does change the course of destiny, especially if you're looking at a country's chart. So for the U.S., it's no surprise we're seeing kind of like the darkness and decay that's been happening in our government and huge corporations. We also have like a lot of other Outer planet interactions that are like bringing things up too. But this year it's been very clear that a lot of old ways of doing things aren't working anymore.
1: And yeah, I mean, we've definitely been feeling it. Um, and I think we can all feel society changing and shifting. Like we are, we're just like in the middle of this right now. But we're definitely not the first country to experience this. Um, since the US is such a little fetus, like Sarah mentioned we can look at the Pluto returns of other countries to sort of like suss out the vibes. So in Britain's case, they've had four because they're old and stodgy. And each one of their Pluto returns brought about major shifts of power. And I think the biggest example of this is the War of the Roses, which took place during their second Pluto return.
2: The War of the Roses happened in the 1460s. And it's considered to be one of the most important events in English history, Um, The war basically was a series of civil wars that were fought between English nobility. And they were all fighting over, whose bloodline of these different houses were going to take over the throne. And eventually the wars ended up completely wiping out all the male lines from each of the fighting families. So if it honestly it would just kind of like fuck them all over because there was no one to take the throne. So none of the houses was were like eligible anymore.
0: Cute. Yeah. Um, so like I look at the Pluto return chart for the War of the Roses, um, which is like a beautiful name for a war. Um, And that was, again, like the bloodiest battle in English history occurred during that time. The Pluto return was in the middle of the war. And like there were just significant deaths to the Norman aristocracy. I don't know what that is. And it's probably because of this Pluto return. Otherwise, (laughs) they would still exist. Right. So throughout British history, like it seems like a lot of the Pluto returns, like almost all of them indicate overthrow of the government. And so I guess like we can really look to them maybe as um, what could happen to America, because since like they're our mother and like all we really did was cut the umbilical cord, but we still really are fashioned in their sort of model.
1: We are. And again, here we are seeing a shift in power in society. And before the War of the Roses, a lot of power w- rested within the nobility, But this war basically killed off the noble class, which was totally their own fault, and it gave merchants new power and eventually led to a centralized monarchy, which, you know, the king
2: was just running everything. Another interesting one for a Pluto return is Russia's, which was happening in the 1950s. Um, When Pluto was exact, which is the exact position in the sky as it was in the country's natal Pluto, in their chart, Stalin died, which for all those who don't know about Stalin, he honestly was a huge dickhead that ruled the Soviet Union for about 30 years and was just a complete fascist. He was known for establishing the Soviet Union as a major world power but he's also known for his extreme totalitarian government that resulted in purges, arrest of thousands of political enemies, or those that didn't accept his government style. He also um, was known as a huge champion of the working class and a huge proponent of socialism. Dana, I'm surprised you haven't. <laughs> Him recently. Um, but he also killed like a shit ton of people. <laughs> Mainly, probably not the time to laugh. <laughs>
0: well, I'm laughing because like I was like, ooh, Marxism seems cool. And then I went down like a, a few rabbit holes and I was like, oh no. Um, maybe not. But kind of like the same way where, where like you can't really read too much into like Michael Jordan, my uncle's Wikipedia page. Because then you find some scandal, right? <laughs> but don't meet your heroes,
2: <laughs> never meet your heroes. And no one's hero should be Stalin because he <laughs> did have a bunch of forced labor camps known as the motherfucking gulag, um, which really a bunch of people died there. And there were also a bunch of famines and satellite countries that he didn't really help out, um, which is now seen as a form of genocide. So honestly, all of this is real sad and depressing. So hard fuck off to him. It's
0: also very interesting to be socialist and then to also have like, labor camps, but check me out on a new podcast. I'll start in two years. (laughs) (laughs) So Pluto returns also often bring the deaths of rulers, which is what happened for Russia on March 5th, 1953, when Stalin died. And it's uh, important to note that I'm not suggesting that American leaders might die, although I'm not suggesting suggesting that. Um, But more importantly, we should note that, I guess, maybe... Uh, All revolutions are not in service to the people. They Pluto reveals negative aspects of a culture, but it doesn't heal them unless people are like ready to meet the cause. And like oftentimes that kind of, you know, needs a united front or even just people being like, okay, this is not okay. It's important to note that also Pluto or the exact Pluto return for Russia included the death of their ruler. And then also where they are today is not perfect.
1: Yeah. Well, to say the least. But Yeah. I mean, Stalin's death was huge because it really changed Russian society. You know, Stalin was seen as very godlike on his birthday. People would hold like crazy tributes. But then after he died, his cult of personality faded, too. And people in government stopped wearing military style outfits and started wearing civilian clothing, which doesn't seem like a big deal, but it really was. And um, satellite countries under Soviet control finally got a bit more freedom and there were reforms and desalinization, which is basically undoing all the crazy shit he had been doing during his reign
2: yeah so once again we're really seeing the effects of the pluto shift the change from lockdown like not a fuck of a choice to have dictatorship to a slightly more open society sullen slightly. Step- slightly slightly is very like, important yeah, to mention yeah yeah it's like <laughs> yeah it's not the best Stalin's death ended the cold war Um, Which also, quick recap, was when the U.S. and Russia basically were in a dick-measuring contest threatening to blow each other up with weapons. So his death ended that, and Russia at the time became more open to peaceful relations with the West. So, like, huge shift, huge change in, like, mindset for this country.
0: If we just kind of, like, outline all the billions of bullshit and (laughs) very important things at that open time today... (laughs) England has a Capricorn sun, which indicates a powerful ruler at the Pisces moon, which indicates power, like weak, maybe victimized people, dreamers. George Washington has the reverse of that as a Pisces sun and a Capricorn moon, um, making him empathetic, but emotionally bulletproof. And his Taurus rising makes him perfect to start the first, uh, be the first commander in chief of the U.S. Army. And hot. And hot, right. Don't forget his teeth. The Pluto cycle is important for building America. America is almost built kind of in relation to the Pluto cycle. So the first settlers came to America when Pluto was in Aries, which is associated with beginnings and a pioneer spirit, uh, the first sign of the Zodiac. And then in Capricorn during the revolution, um, it was kind of like bringing a fruition to all these dreams and a culmination of the destiny. Pluto transits in general are transformative and extremely chaotic um, and could also result in chaotic breaks. Pluto returns usually result in the overthrow of governments and sometimes the death of their rulers. And in general, Any sort of outer planet return um, for a country will probably definitely have a major impact in some way.
1: Not ominous at all. So to sum it all up, so much Pluto. But now that we got a fun little sneak peek at how Pluto returns have affected other countries, next week we'll be talking about how Pluto aspects have affected the United States charts throughout the years and what it could mean for our very own Pluto return that, like we said, we're experiencing right this very moment really what a time to be alive not to be lame but it's true
0: drake said it we say it it's true please leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to we
1: appreciate it
2: and follow us at allegedly astrology on instagram and reddit we honestly love everyone we talk to on reddit I have so many good astro condos there and at allegedly astro on twitter for more news or if you want to book a chart reading thank you bye ciao bye